Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Inflow podcast. Owning and running your own business can be uncertain, frightening, hectic, as well as vibrant, exciting and fulfilling all at the same time. Whatever your experience, becoming an entrepreneur is most definitely a journey worth taking. My name is Anna Ambika, your educator, business mentor, serial entrepreneur and lover of nature, yoga and climbing mountains, and your host of this vibrant channel, Entrepreneurs in Flow. As a serial entrepreneur, mother and wife, I've experienced over 25 years of those daily struggles and the turns you have to take on the entrepreneur's journey to keep in flow. I want to bring you to a place where you hear from myself and other inspirational entrepreneurs about their journey to the success that they have created. This channel is a place for you to feel energized, empowered and encouraged and also learn about the real entrepreneur business challenges, strategies and lessons that helped to positively grow the entrepreneurial mindset. From the offline success stories to the online tech triumphs, I want you to hear journeys and paths of all walks of entrepreneurs, whether they are on or offline social media. I know you feel empowered, encouraged, and on fire for the things you need to do and learn. So this is the most definitely the podcast time well invested in your busy entrepreneurial day. And me, as your business mentor, I'm really excited to support you on your journey. Hey, it's Anna here from Entrepreneurs in Flow. How are you feeling today? Uh, Today, I am so excited to share a chapter from my book, Embrace and Value Your Difference. And it's a really powerful chapter about filters. So I want you to take that one moment to ask that question I asked you, which is how are you feeling today? Give yourself 20 minutes every day for your personal development. Personal development is super powerful and important in the journey towards growing your business. And as an entrepreneur, I cannot emphasize that even more. Vishal Lakhiani, a mindset mentor and personal development coach, talks about the 20 minutes for your everyday personal development. Give yourself 20 minutes for journaling, for working on something to do with your personal development. Not for your business, not for anyone else, but just for yourself. So let's get stuck in. Filters, what are they about? So our brain receives millions of pieces of information from the day we are born. So how does the brain process all these different influences? Can we receive two billion pieces of information through our five senses? every second? How? Well, these senses include your sight, your hearing, your smell, your touch and your taste and form our representational systems. So some of the information received into the brain gets filtered out and you don't process all of it. However, it is important to recognise that some people experience more than others and that we all are unique and different. 
So your taste and your smell are not multi-dimensional and don't affect the language we use, but sight, which is the visual aspects, and hearing, the auditory aspects, do impact our language. So have you, have you ever noticed how some people use visual words when they communicate? This could be through written text, emails, or spoken in conversation with you. Our eyes see what is going on around us and we convey the information from our eyes into our images that we can process, experience and retain in our memories. In a similar way, we process what we smell and what we hear and what we touch and we taste and we use those senses to help us store that information. So really what I want to talk about is telling you about how your filters function to affect our thinking on our behavior. And it's so important to have that self-awareness when you're growing your business and you're an entrepreneur, because you have to take control of where you are going, whether that be your business, you are the leader. How do you incorporate leadership style, leadership qualities? What I will do is do this by introducing you to some of the most recognisable filters and how they appear in our communication with others. And an example of how visual filters are used to translate how we describe our clarity of understanding is, I've just had a light bulb moment. I can picture that. I can see that more clearly now. I have clarity. I have perfect view and understanding of your plans. This is someone that is a visual person. Some people use auditory words and other. Others use kinesthetic. Kinesthetic, which are feeling words. So a few examples of how auditory words are used would be, I like the sound of that dish. Wonderful, that is music to my ears. And that definitely strikes a chord with me. I love the noise and cheer you are making around your wedding plans. I'm so excited. So these are examples of auditory words people use in their communication. Kinesthetic words would refer to those feelings and touching with sensory perception of the outcome that connects deeply to the heart and emotion of that person. And they usually relate to the body. A few examples of this kinesthetic wording would be, I really feel comfortable with your proposal so far. I finally got a grip on the brand shift and the re-messaging. Your marketing proposal has really hit home with the managing director and now we can celebrate. I'm getting that warm, fuzzy feeling towards the new team recruit. I came home with fire in my belly after listening to that inspiring speech at the conference today. So have you ever noticed that how people have a tendency towards the particular types of sense and the perception of event or situation could be totally different to the person experiencing the same event? Some people see things, some people hear things and some people feel things. So if a person's tendency is towards their C perception, 
then in order to have a positive experience and gain a lot from the event or understand the situation in hand, they need to see it properly and have visual clarity. Others could have a tendency towards having their things heard clearly and situations and experiences are processing barring hearing the things going on. And others can have that preference to kinesthetic, to a feeling, the situation, and they lean towards words that make them feel ease so they can gain a firm grip on that situation and grab an opportunity with both hands or get real feeling for the situation. This can also apply to understanding and maintain our relationships with others around us. So what is this type of analysis in terms of filters? Well, this type of analysis around sensors is called NLP for short, Communication Model. And the NLP Communication Model actually stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming Communication and is based on modeling behaviors, which then show us how the brain can interpret or filter and store the vast amounts of information that received through our five senses. So it's been estimated that the eyes send at least 10 million pieces of information to the brain every second. So what is NLP? Well, it was developed in the early 1970s at the University of California by John Grinder and, a, and his associate professor of linguistics. He, he was an associate professor of linguistics and a psychology student with a background in mathematics and computer science, his name being Richard Bandler. So Gr Bandler and Grinder were interested in how people think and communicate with others but they were also preoccupied with how personalities can influence others so effectively. So how does someone become an influencer? So Brandler and Grinder studied behavior and language patterns and worked together in identifying language patterns, which they were then able to use to order and decodify patterns of behavior. Their background in mathematics and, and actually behavior, psychology really helped. Their intention was to get to a point where they could model a pattern of behavior which would help people overcome their challenges, which in turn would help them to make positive changes in their lives. By studying these patterns, Brandl and Griner were able to start modeling behaviors which enabled them to decode exemplary performance, high performance, of which we have so many high-performance coaches today. Desirable and management emotions, strategies and formats for efficiency of performance. NLP has been further developed since in, in its inception back in the 1970s, which much extended research producing more theory and practice by other scientists along the last hundreds of few years. So there now exist a few different versions of NLP applied by cognitive behavioral therapists and psychologists. And additionally, in the 1980s, a hypnotherapist called Milton Herrickson developed his own application to improve performance. So when we talk about performance, this could apply to numerous varied attributes which would help people to balance their life and be as happy as possible. The focus was on happiness with how they perform in every area of their life from a deeper discussion of this. We see this in my Wheel of Chapter, Wheel of Life Chapter, 
whereby I talk about, you know, the wheel of life and how to actually obtain balance in your life and work towards that feeling of happiness. The NLP model foundation was was built on modeling what successful communicators do and how they behave and how they become influencers. So I really have a particular affinity to this form of modeling because the theories on good practice are built on analyzing good practice and they model through the success of others and using maths and modeling. So this model-based theory is not about the why, but more about the outcome and the action and the behavior taken. What is the behavior taken to make that person more happy and more successful? It's not about the psychology, but about human behavior modeling. Why this becomes so powerful Powerful has much to do with the sort of undergirding notion that everyone is different and they can embrace that difference and value their difference. Essentially, we all have a point of difference, don't we? We have to embrace and value that difference and make sense of how we function and find out how we best communicate our needs and our desires and our thoughts to help improve how we live our lives and how we conceptualize our lives. So NLP, it states that if it works, use it. If it doesn't, change it. If it doesn't work, change it. It's a useful set of approaches you can take to get the outcome you want to better your life. So NLP is all about change. It's about making changes in the way your mind works, in the way you use your mind and in the way you process information. I found that trying to understand how my mind works has given me the strength to cope with the extremities and challenging circumstances I've had to endure while my baby was in hospital for three years. And I found that by reading about how the mind worked and how the brain processed information, I was able to make better senses of the world and why things were happening to me and why I was reacting to them in that specific way. This is where the concept of filters is particularly helpful and interesting towards improving your life as you start to embrace your difference even more. So once you start appreciating personal filters, motivations, perceptives, you can start to better understand your own consciousness and the real intentions and desires of other people. This skill is used in specialist business and managerial roles. It's a core of building rapport with clients and customers because it equips us with necessary insight. It's really powerful in negotiations in business. So my question to you is, how does your mind filter the massive amount of information absorbed in order for you to create your own model or map of the world? There are filters that manage that amount of information entering your brain. And you're going to keep some and you're going to lose some. The NLP model was created to help us understand how to improve our brain's filtration system. What is it filtering and what is it keeping? So we're talking about the five senses and what can be seen, heard, felt, smelled or tasted and what the filters are doing in deciding what stays in your brain and what should be ignored. So what I want to talk about now a little bit more detail is about the effects of these filters they have. So you have your see, your heard, your felt, your smell, your taste, the five, but these filters 
they can determine your thoughts and your conduct and fundamentally your actions, how you conduct yourself. So the filters have three effects on our behavior and external experience, which are fundamentally to delete it, to distort it, to change it, or just to create some kind of broad generalization, nothing in deep. So you have deletion, distortion, and generalization. So these effects are the channels through which our brain separates different information. They could have a positive or negative significance. So your filters are composed of beliefs, memories, values, attitudes, culture, state of mind, assumptions, your DNA, predispositions that dictate your preferences. The filters we have in play are part in distorting or deleting some of the information we receive. So the filters enable you to generalize and categorize information you receive. Therefore, if you wish to reprogram the way you're thinking, you must understand what filters are making you behave in that specific way in the first place. Once they are identified and examined, you can start to think about how to change. But until then, no. In summary, filters operate in three ways. They can delete your information, they can distort the information, and they can help us generalize as a way of disciplining, kind of simplifying and compartmentalizing information. Many of my people I follow and admire, world-renowned masters of personal development, such as Stephen Covey, Anthony Robbins, Ken Blanchard, Bob, Bob Proctor, Brian Tracy, they've all used NLP modeling in their coaching techniques. And all these practitioners teach that the overcoming of filters allows people to create their own version of success, personal development programs, which are underpinned by the theory and modeling work of Grinder and Bandler. So let's go into a couple of examples. You may have had a memory or an experience from your school days which continues to impact you today. You see, many filters are instilled in us from early childhood and if you have a bad experience, perhaps you were told off, singled out, or you were finding mathematics challenging, then this could filter through to your attitude and emotions towards that subject, towards mathematics. These filters can remain throughout primary education and then stay into secondary schooling as at high school you could deepen your fear and negativity to our, towards mathematics and around mathematics. This could stifle your progress and leave you stunted in your development of a skill in maths. I've even met an adult who, as a parent, would say to me, I, would, I was never good at maths, so this is why my children are poor at maths too. They're giving their children an excuse for them not to develop their mathematical ability. So the truth is your brain responds to and filters thoughts according to what it hears and feels. It's filtering those thoughts. It's setting a pattern about how you're going to work towards that subject. This parent was giving out negative language vibes towards maths, but they didn't know. Their negativity could stick with the children exposed to it during their early years of development. Our parents, loved ones and family members are main influencers and fundamentally provide us with our first filters, people around us. So essentially these continue into adult life and remain fully operational 
stifling progress, happiness and development in many aspects of your life. So filters can cause our thinking to be preoccupied with the pain and the perception of criticism or shameful memory attached to that time when they were shamed because of their weakness in maths at an early age. That's that learned condition about their behaviour towards something. So when this happens, we risk deleting the exact information or feedback that would help the person to learn, grow and develop into a good mathematician. The filter makes the feedback and tone of voice threatening. Instead of helpful and thoughts become distorted, feelings are filtered with broad generalisations. For example, the person starts thinking, do you know what, I'm a failure at maths and no one in my family is very good at it. So I will never be good at it anyway, even if I tried. The point is there is always a paradigm and the language used in a family can reveal what has been instilled in a child to cause their limitations. The point is our minds are deleting, distorting and generalising the information we receive. As you can appreciate in the example above, the young student is generalising about maths. But using good practice, we can examine the filters we are using to improve and control our thinking. I want to give you an example about the effect of deletion, distortion and generalisation, which build up upon the example above, which I just gave you, whereby the student is holding a fixed mindset and belief around their ability in maths. This student will never improve in maths until the distortion and generalisation is removed from their conscious belief and mindset. If either it is consistently in one family's experience and the filter sticks to perhaps the student would think that they're more creative, artistic and language-based and subjects where their person would thrive. Their inherited filter around maths limits them. And that has them believe falsely that they should only try to excel in other subjects and don't not to bother with maths. They have limited their belief through that filter. I'm inherently bad at maths. Filter would remain unless they are subjected to a different belief that would lift it. This filter of a generalisation could have a really dangerous consequence for that person on a personal level and in society. You see, generalisations put people into certain pigeonholes and related to unhelpful stereotyping around class, gender, race, colour and even religion. Stereotypes can be internalised and overtly contribute to be our filters and our drive to delete, distort and generalise. So none of all of the sensory data we receive on a day-to-day -day basis through our conscious, unconscious state is remembered. If that sense is not changing all the time, for example, you would acknowledge moving from a cold room to a hotter room or a wet day to a dry day. We don't consciously process everything around us immediately. Environmental occurrences such as background noises, smells, clothing you wear and temperature will be deleted unless significantly different to cause you notice to that change. Have you noticed that when you deeply engross reading a book or completing a task that other noises such as conversations simply disappear into the background ambient noise? 
We can also consciously choose to ignore and delete information which doesn't interest us. We have the ability to disregard or block out information that does not correspond with our values, so could make us feel uneasy or upset, we avoid them. A good example of this could be if you were sitting in your garden enjoying the sunshine, reading a magazine and a tiger appeared in front of you. You may initially delete that view, <laughs> continue to read your magazine and not actually consciously acknowledge the tiger as it is not a place you would expect to see a tiger, right? You can subconsciously delete information because you don't accept it. This can sometimes lead to short-term memory loss and is common when you lose a loved one. Here is a challenge for you. Can you see anything wrong, what I say or hear? Chocolate is my love. The chocolate lovers I love. Another example of distortion is when there is an accident, such as a traffic collision. So you've got various witnesses would recount the um, slightly different stories. But in the fact is that what they witnessed in line with their filtered information from their particular senses. So each sensory effect will be filtered and then an interpretation of the event would occur and be different to an, another eyewitness account. An experience I had at a business networking meeting. When I was when an attendee asked me whether I was enjoying the meeting and I said yes. Then she went on to say that she had been to three meetings and they were all complete a waste of time. Her expectation and understanding were not matching what she was presented to her for the last three meetings and the filters which existed in her mind in terms of what constituted a good networking meeting didn't match her new and current experience. So when I asked her why she felt they were a waste of time, she replied, I don't like hearing about other people's journeys and what they're doing. I just want to learn new things. I hate speaking up in public and making speeches. The real reason for her negative interpretation of the meeting was fear. What was the fear? The fear was around public speaking. She didn't want to speak out loud. Perhaps developed from an early experience from her childhood, some bad experience which limited now her into her business experience as a public speaker or a, and her ability to speak up about her business. This filter, which has developed into a deeper fear, was keeping her from developing into a better public speaker and she couldn't accept that she needed to develop that part of herself so she could grow and meet more people. If someone has developed a filter around a particular skill, then they will distort their interpretation of an event according to their map of the world through their filters. After all, the best education comes from learning and respecting other people and their perspectives and journeys. So how can you change your state of mind? Whether you have that fixed state of mind, that filter from the time that you were had a negative experience of public speaking, how can you change your state of mind? How can you remove the distortion to say, actually, I can do this now? So filters have effectively control your interaction experience in the world around you and essentially dictate how you define your differences as a person. 
The filters form the representational system and referred to as VACOG. And these are the five senses that I've spoke about, which is your seeing, your visual, your auditory, your hearing, your kinesthetic, which is your feeling and touching, your smelling, which is olfactory, and the gustory, which is actually tasting. So our neurological system uses this information to create an internal representation of the world. And if you wish to change your state of mind and review the way you show up, the immerse yourself into the world and face the situation, for example, the public speaking, you must analyze and understand the effects of filters you hold and what's holding you back and specifically learning how filters affect your thoughts through you deleting them, distorting them and generalization. In my opinion, that of the three effects, I feel generalization is the worst as it creates a very fixed mindset that is not open to grow and evolution, which can be destructive and dangerous. To summarize, my interpretation and use of NLP has helped me to get through my challenges and the internal representations. And that's why I feel they are very, very powerful tools to understand NLP and it will help you in your business meetings and your role, particularly in negotiation for new contracts. Interaction with language, or should I say neurolinguistic, forms our perceptions of the world and contributes to our ability to map our knowledge and understanding, which is our programming. Essentially, each person's map of the world determines their feelings and behaviour, and this affects performance and attitude. Once you become aware of the impact of filters, or put another way, once you have addressed the way you speak and listen to yourself, NLP techniques will really prove to remove or modify your filters and improve your life for positive changes. I hope you found my podcast today on filters and how they can help you with your communication style in business and all parts of your life. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs on Flow and I look forward to you on the next episode. Anna Ambika, your business mentor.